Today is Wednesday, July 26, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. LeBron James's son, Bronny, suffers cardiac arrest. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to hold up your end of the bargain here. Subscribe and leave a rating and share with a friend. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Let's get through the news of the cray together each and every weekday at 7 a.m. Joining me now on this hump day, Billy Hollowell, Trey Gons Phillips. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this Wednesday? Well, I'm living the dream, as always. It's another day in paradise, you know? But craziness going on as usual. Uh, this crazy story with LeBron James, we'll have the details with his son. We'll have the details on that here in a minute. What do we have coming up on the focus story today? Well, The Rock. The Rock has shown up to help people in need. Pretty cool story about an actor doing uh, really good things with his time. So we'll be talking about that. All right, looking forward to that. Yeah, and that's somebody who was uh, pregnant as well. So that adds an interesting component to that story. So the details on that coming up. Trey spoke with Melissa Henson, who's VP of the Parents Television and Media Council, talking about Disney, Bob Iger, and how they're targeting children with all this sexualized content and the results that are happening at the box office, potentially because of it. All that on the main thing coming up. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Bronny James, the son of NBA star LeBron James, suffered cardiac arrest during basketball practice at USC and was hospitalized on Monday. He's now in stable condition and out of the ICU, according to a family spokesperson's statement. LeBron and Savannah, his wife, expressed gratitude for USC's medical and athletic staff. Bronny's 18. He's an incoming freshman at USC, a highly rated recruit. And several stars, including Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin, sent prayers to the James family. Others express frustration and believe that the COVID vaccine may have something to do with all these young people who seem to be suffering sudden illnesses. Abby Johnson is one of many who said something along the lines of the Bronnie James news is devastating. Please pray for the health of all of our youth. What was often forced into their bodies over the past couple of years was unprecedented and unfair. Shouldn't have happened. Pray for Bronnie's health. Two-time Grammy Award winner singer Tori Kelly is currently hospitalized and receiving treatment for blood clots around vital organs after collapsing over the weekend. Greg Laurie said, let's all be praying for Tori Kelly. And a former U.S. Navy pilot shared incredible UFO encounter details ahead of a hearing on UFOs in Congress this week. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. So, guys, obviously the big story here is Bronny James collapsing. I mean, here's an 18-year-old in the prime of his health. He's a, he's a peak physical athlete, and people are just wondering. I mean, we don't know the details on this. You don't want to jump to conclusions as to what caused it, but it's the big elephant in the room. Everyone's wondering, is this a trend that's just getting increased focus now, or is something actually going on? You know, that's a good point that you make. Are we seeing it more, and it was going on before, and suddenly we're focusing on it more because there's reason to? Is it the shot? Is it COVID itself? You know, is this a form of some sort of impact from COVID as an illness, which I know some people will scoff at and others will scoff at the suggestion that it's the shot. I do think we have to be very careful 
making claims. We don't know people's medical histories. We don't know who's had the shot and who has it. We don't know any of these things. So to go out there and say definitively, we have to be careful. But but at the end of the day, I do think somebody needs to answer what are these trends and and what is at the baseline of them. I think that's an important thing probably. Well, that and I think people are more people are more skeptical and apt to say that it must be the shot because we have a media and a government, a CDC, FDA, whatever, who will allow you to have any question and raise any concern except that one. So if you say in any way that it could be related to uh, the shot, then you must be QAnon. You must believe in some sort of crazy, like fringe conspiracy theories. So because we have all of our authorities kind of, pushing that line, it makes you think, well, maybe there is something there. And in reality, there might not really be a a connection there. But because the media is so bent on making sure you don't ask that question, what's the question that naturally comes to mind? That one. Right. And it's interesting because you see so many complain about big pharma and we don't want to listen to big pharma, but then they're willing to just tow the company line here, big pharma line on the vaccine. It's a really weird dynamic because we should be able to not just freak out about everything and assign everything that we don't know to the COVID vaccine, but we should be able to ask questions. And you're right, Trey, that's where people just go, wait a minute, how come I can't ask questions on this? That's been the problem with all of this. And I think communications 101, it's as though people working government had no idea how to communicate any message whatsoever. They made all of their problems worse by not allowing that conversation, that does make people wonder what's going on. Even if there's nothing going on, it creates the perception that why are they not allowing me to you know, voice my concerns or be heard on this? And look, I, I can't think of another time when everybody was either forced or pushed into taking something or doing something. And I'm sure there will be another time at some point, you know, and it makes yeah. you wonder how are we going to handle it in light of how we handled this? The other part of this is that the government did this at the beginning of covid and then has been proven wrong on so many things that they told us we had to be, you'd get in trouble for posting these things online. And now they were wrong on it. And it's like, oops. So they have a track record of being wrong on things that they're demanding we fall in line with. So why would we believe them this time? Not only do they have a track record of being wrong, they have a track record of from the jump lying about things, right? right? I mean, from the very beginning. And that's why I think the the trust was eroded uh, as soon as this whole, this whole saga started because Fauci, one of the first things he went up there and said is that masks do nothing. You do not need to buy them. You do not need to wear them uh, when really it was just a lie to protect the supply because medical people needed it, which is fine that medical people, you know, personnel needed it. But why can't you just level with the American people? Right. Don't tell them a lie from the beginning. Just say, hey, if you can hold off on buying these, don't buy them because they're in short supply. Why are we not adult enough to handle that information? Not only that, I mean, to your point, Trey, absolutely. People should be, you should be able to trust your government. If you're lying to people, you've already lost trust. And I think it's bizarre to me that there are people after knowing they were lied to, even if it was for a good cause, who still are trusting every single thing that right. they say. You know, to me, at the end of the day, We are the greatest country on the face of the earth. The fact that this powerful country couldn't come up with baby formula, couldn't come up with making masks quickly. I mean, even if he had to say briefly, we need a couple of weeks to do this. The fact that we couldn't rally to do that and we chose a lie instead is deeply troubling to me. 
it's where there's smoke, there's fire, and people are seeing these things, and it's causing a lot of questions, and we should be able to ask those questions. Then wherever the truth leads us, that we should be okay with that. But it sure seems like, as Trey and Billy were just saying here, it seems like one side doesn't want that. They'd rather just push a narrative. So, all right, we're going to head over to the focus story now. And a California pastor was recently shocked to encounter a Hollywood megastar in Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who showed up at his ministry to, out of the blue to un- offer encouragement, love, and kindness. So what's the story here, Billy? Yeah, this is a, a pretty crazy story. I noticed on Instagram, Matthew Barnett, he's the pastor of Angelus Temple and the founder of the Dream Center out in L.A. Um, the Dream Center is a great organization. They help with rehab. They house the poor. They help, you know, people get over drug addiction. Uh, but, but he put up... <laughs> really some cool pictures of the rock showing up. And, you know, I ended up reaching out to Matthew Barnett. We've interviewed him many times in the past and asking him about these photos, just, you know, basically he was praising the rock for being there and and giving his time and being kind to people. But when we sat down and and did an interview, it was really interesting to hear the story. Uh, Matthew, the pastor there was saying that he was in his office, he was getting ready for Sunday morning service and a staff member came in and said, Hey, Um, You know, The Rock's wife is coming by to drop off a donation. Uh, She's got some items for an expectant mother. And as far as I know, The Rock and his wife had never donated to the Dream Center before. So they must have heard about it. They were showing up that day. And as far as Matthew knew, it was just his wife that was going to be coming. So he went outside to meet with her and to help get the things out of the car. She was bringing a crib and some other items for this, this mother who's eight months pregnant. And so what's so interesting about this is he he said he was, you know, walking down, going up to the car, and he sees that The Rock is sitting in the back of this vehicle on the phone talking to somebody. And Matthew's like, I didn't want to bother him, so I wasn't going to bother him. I figured he was going to be on his phone call, and that was that. But then all of a sudden, The Rock jumps out of the car and is enthusiastic and is talking to people and actually spends a fair amount of time um, talking with not only that expectant mother and learning her story. She had grown up in foster care and had a really tough life. He talked with somebody else who was in the drug addiction program and took photos with people and was just really um, very attentive and humble and, and listening to the people who were there. And it really blew Matthew away um, so much so that he posted about it with, you know, the rocks permission on his social channels and, uh, just a really, really cool story of The Rock doing good with his time. Yeah, it's great to see that because oftentimes you you picture, you know, these L.A. celebrities just sort of gallivanting around from one party to the next. So what else can you tell us about Matthew Barnett? Yeah, you know, Matthew, Matthew Barnett is just an incredibly hard worker. He's again, he's a he's a pastor, but then he's also running the Dream Center and the Dream Center. Like I said, it's it's everything. They do everything for everyone. They have transitional housing. They are a hub in LA. And as you can imagine, they're dealing with more homelessness and drug addiction than they've ever really dealt with before with all the things that are happening in this country right now in the post COVID era. And they had to struggle through a lot of those restrictions in California and keep themselves afloat. Um, And there are, there are celebrities by the way, who do frequently like Patricia Heaton and others who have come out in support of the dream center. They're in Hollywood. They do attract that, but this is a Christian ministry too, which adds an, you know, an extra element here. Um, He actually said he felt like the rock would come back again. He thinks he'll probably come back and do more. And I have to, I have to also add this, this had an impact not only on the people who were there who needed, I think that encouragement. I mean, these are people going through really difficult times, 
who, you know, the rock stopped by, spent time with them. Um, yeah, so just really, really incredible to see. But it also had an impact on The Rock. He posted on his own channel about the Dream Center on Instagram how amazing the work is that they're doing. He posted pictures of the people he met. And so it clearly had a, a deep impact on the actor as well. Yeah, that is really cool. So why do you think this uh, story, Billy, what's the main takeaway here? Why, why do you think this one's important for everyone to know about? I think it's important because it's really easy to judge actors and people in, in Hollywood. And sometimes they give people reason to judge them, right, um, over the types of content they create. But The Rock has always seemed to be a really kind and, and really good guy. And I think what, what you're seeing here is the, you know, really the ability of people in Hollywood and the willingness for some of them to go out and look beyond themselves. Not everything is a dumpster fire. Not everything is terrible in Hollywood. You know, there are some really good people. And I think the cool thing here is that because The Rock stepped out and and did this kind deed and helped this you know pregnant mom and then allowed for them to talk about it. Because by the way, Matthew Barnett said that no celebrity of that caliber has ever gone on social media and posted about it in that way. And that was really unique. And it brought thousands of people back to the Dream Center. You know, it didn't bring cash flowing in, but it brought a lot of supporters from The Rock there. And so I just think it's it's practically, it's great for the ministry. But beyond that, I think it gives us some hope in Hollywood that there are some good people there. Yeah, absolutely. And and it just shows that if they just use a little bit of their time, I mean, that's why, that's why I mean, it's not that we care about, oh, celebrity does nice thing, but it's, they, they do have choices with their time, and when they choose to do something like this, it's going to have an impact because, like it or not, people follow those in the limelight, and so they can choose where they're going to send them. They can either send them down you know, pointless, frivolous things, or they can point them to things that matter like this. So anytime somebody like The Rock does something like this, it's, it's definitely worth pointing out because uh, ultimately that's going to lead to a lot of good, especially for a place like the Dream Center that's doing such great work. So it's cool to see because all of Hollywood is essentially on strike right now. They're all yeah. shut down because of the the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild. So they can't really do anything. It's nice to see somebody who can't really act and definitely can't be out there promoting any of his Hollywood films right now. He's using his time to, you know, to help people. So he's he's being a good steward. And like you said, Billy, the Dream Center does so much, so much great work. I remember interviewing them in 2020 in LA. They were one of the only places, the only humanitarian places people could go for bottled water and food because there was a shortage of all of that uh, in LA uh, and elsewhere also. But but yeah, it's cool to see a, a big name celebrity bringing attention to a Christian organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. So great story, Billy. Appreciate you putting that one on our radar screens. We're going to head over to the main thing now. Melissa Henson is VP of the Parents Television and Media Council, and she spoke with Trey and came out against Disney and its CEO, Bob Iger, for continuing to target children with sexualized content as it continues to lose millions at the box office. All that and more on today's Main Thing. Melissa Henson, you're the vice president of the Parents Television and Media Council. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, I want to talk to you about Disney. Uh, they are losing uh, by any, you could look at any different study, all the different statistics, they're losing anywhere from tens of millions of dollars to hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in the box office. And a lot of it seems to be because of the way that they are targeting children with sexualized 
content. What do you make of the fact that Disney seems to be doubling and tripling and even quadrupling down on this without changing course? Yeah, it is puzzling, isn't it? Um, I mean, I think we at the PTC, anyhow, were cautiously optimistic when uh, Bob Chapek was fired because it really seemed that it was under Bob Chapek's leadership that Disney really took this hard turn um, in a in a bad direction. And we were optimistic that with the return of Bob Iger, that, that also signaled a return to Disney's core values. But in fact, that has not been what we've seen. Um, and as you point out, yeah, I mean, Bob, Bob Iger recently was in the news saying, we don't sexualize children, which is patently false. Um, and it's false on the face of it. Um, there are plenty of examples. Um, even going back a decade or more, I've had parents complaining to me about um, the way the Disney um, series um, always, it's always about um, romantic relationships, even with 10, 11, 12 year old kids. <laughs> that should not be the primary occupation or obsession of a 10, 11, 12 year old child. So, so the concerns about the way Disney sort of um, puts kids in these kinds of scenarios, um, those are longstanding. So it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous for Bob Iger to say we don't sexualize kids. They do. Um, and that's a huge part of the reason why families are leaving Disney in droves. Uh, but beyond that, um, we also have these really problematic content decisions that Disney has been making. For example, they announced uh, earlier this year that they're picking up this German series called Pauline for the Disney Plus platform. Now, Pauline is about um, a teenage girl who has a one night stand with the devil and has the devil's love child. I mean, how sick is that? Um, and this is on this is this this is being developed for the Disney Plus streaming platform. I think Walt Disney must be spinning in his grave. Yeah, you know, I think a sad irony here to think about is if you look back at Walt Disney and the legacy he wanted to leave, he opened up the theme parks uh, in California and then in Orlando. Uh, he created this entire enterprise because he looked in the marketplace and didn't see anything wholesome that was teaching strong moral values for his own children to consume. Uh, and now, as you said, look at where Disney has fallen to, uh, they're doing the exact opposite of what was ever envisioned by Walt Disney himself. Uh, what do you make of of that and the fact that this is, in, in, a, in, in, in a big way, tarnishing Walt Disney's intentioned uh, legacy? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think it's, it's, um, it's pretty obvious to me, anyhow, that Disney is trying to fit into the same boxes, Netflix or HBO Max or Amazon Prime. Um, and they I apparently seem to feel like they need to deliver the same kind of content um, in order to compete in that streaming sphere. But I think, you know, when Disney Plus launched, um, it launched with the promise that, hey, this is a safe place where you can sit your kids down. They're not going to be exposed to any raunchy content. They're not, not going to see anything inappropriate or untoward. And um, it took off. It was huge in the first several months. I mean, millions and millions of families signed up for it because they said, finally, finally, a, a streaming platform that I can feel safe letting my child browse around because they're not safe browsing on Netflix or Amazon Prime or HBO Max 
Um, but when Disney started to say, oh, we're, we, you know, sorry about that. We, uh, we're actually not going to keep that promise. We're going to start adding more R-rated movies and more adult content. And that's when they started to lose subscribers. So they're really misreading the marketplace, I think. They're really misreading what it is that audiences want. And I think, you know, um, recent reports have indicated that they're planning on buying out um Comcast, which owns the last little bit of Hulu, so that Disney is 100% owner of of Hulu, and then they're going to combine Hulu and Disney Plus, so there's a one one streaming platform, um, which I think would be a huge mistake for them, given how much adult content there is on on the Hulu platform. Um, so you know, if you want to make sure that they're putting the last nail in the coffin, by all means, but buy Hulu. But um, I think it's it's really going to be the death knell for the Disney uh, streaming uh, world because I think it's going to turn off way more subscribers than it, than it's going to attract. You know, as a leader at the Parents Television and Media Council, how can we, or how are y'all working to turn the tide, right? Because I think culture, I think parents feel overwhelmed when they look at Disney or they see Hulu or Netflix and the kind of content that they're pushing. Uh, they think that they're going up against Goliath and they're not sure that they're David and they're actually going to be successful uh, in kind of overturning that or, or, or changing the tide of culture. How can we raise awareness and be effective uh, while also so not coming across as people who just are naysayers and, and want to say no to everything. Yeah, it is a challenge. And the other challenge I, I see oftentimes is um, parents who are just exhausted from the fight. You know, they, 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 they just feel like everything is working against them. And, you know, why do I even try anymore? And they just give up fighting. And I think that's the most dangerous thing that we could do is just give up. Um, I think we have to continue to fight and we have to be diligent. We have to um, vote with our dollars. We have to vote with our remote. So don't tune into and don't subscribe to those streaming services that are doing things that are contrary to your values. Um, but we also need to help educate other parents out there, have those conversations. You know, if, if your, um, your child wants to hang out with a friend, make sure you know what kind of movies, uh, what the household rules are about media content. You know, do they allow video games? Do they allow video games that are above the child's age um, in terms of uh, the rating and appropriateness? Do they take their kids to see R-rated movies? So ha have those conversations, even though they might be awkward, they might be difficult, but, but it is important to engage um, in the culture, with the culture, and, and in our peer group as well, and make sure that our, um, our kids are being protected from inappropriate content even when they're away from home. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Melissa Henson, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us. I appreciate it. All right, Trey, thanks for that conversation there. And it really is something to watch Disney sort of continue with these self-inflicted wounds. It's like you have this brand that's impenetrable. It's incredible. You've got people going down to the theme park at will, spending gobs of money, the only way you could possibly destroy it is with stuff like this. And they found a way, it seems. Yeah, well, that was yes. part of our conversation is the fact that Disney is the only one who can ruin Disney. And yeah. they have seemed to to be able to, <laughs> yeah, they've succeeded in doing that for <laughs> yeah, some reason. It's crazy. They've perfected the art of ruining <laughs> themselves. Yes, it's beautiful. Oh, man. So, but appreciate that conversation there. We're going to have time here on the podcast today 
For one last thing, we're going to take a look at Matthew 24, 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And that's just a great reminder whenever you see it, because it's just, at least for me, it's so easy to get into. I get in the grind. I get going. I got this thing I do every day at this time and this thing every day at this time. Got to get this done. And you kind of get numb to the fact that, wait a minute, we don't know when Jesus is coming back and we've got to be ready. Yeah. Now you got to be ready at all times. And I feel like a lot of us are ready at no times, right? <laughs> yes. It's like, just, you got, you got to be prepared and living the right way. That's what it's really all right. about. Right. Exactly. It's a good reminder too, that we're on a mission. We're not just here to accomplish what we, we want to accomplish or just have a good time. We're here to, to bring people to Christ. Right. So um, yeah, I yep. think it's just a poignant reminder of our entire purpose here on earth. Absolutely. All right, good spot to leave it for the pod today. As always, get yourself on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com if you haven't yet for news from a Christian perspective. And as always, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we're going to return here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget, you can email us as well. Quick start podcast at cbn.org. Have a great rest of your day. See you tomorrow.